Taylor Decker's on my all 22 fantasy team. Stop. They don't care. So the strategic component to this game is through the roof. Your predictions, right? Your forecasting in fantasy football into how good is this player? This is gonna it's gonna change the industry. Yeah. yeah. I move to the old town with those down. Look at me now. I wrote my goals down. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another All-22 Daily. Had a great game last night, Ray. Did you uh, ever think the Vikings were going to pull it out? No, no, not for a second. After the second turnover that they had, after forcing a turnover of their own, you knew exactly how this game was going to go. That's pretty much exactly how it went. It's just, I don't know how Vikings fans do it. Eagles win 34-28. We talked about how the Eagles O-line had a kind of difficult week one and they needed to do a lot better. They gave up 13 pressures in week one. Yesterday, they gave up only three. Jordan Maialata had a career game, 96.9 PFF grade. But Minnesota's defense was kind of the story early on. They were putting up a really good fight. We saw Ivan Pace Jr. and Daniil Hunter each have a few hurries, getting to the quarterback, making Jalen Hurts uncomfortable. But it just really wasn't enough, right? It just wasn't enough. Yeah, that they, they, they just don't have much talent at all on that side of the ball after someone like Daniil Hunter and Ivan Pace has come out of nowhere and you hope he can keep it up. That's great. But the personnel is just not there defensively for the Vikings. It's so they just they just wore down. It was just a matter of not being up to snuff or up to par with their opponent, which is the Eagles. Cause uh, like you mentioned, I mean, Jalen Hurts didn't play well. I mean, he he really struggled almost the entire night he hit he had a beautiful pass to Devonte smith for the touchdown which was fantastic but down to down for the rest of the game he was he was struggling um when when the vikings brought pressure and and he had to go off his first read he 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 wasn't able to just have that quick trigger and then they would kind of mix it up just enough where if the eagles would uh would then pass the ball they would drop eight every now and again just enough to keep him off balance and yeah, it. I mean, it ultimately didn't matter because, again, they're just man for man, just more talented than the Vikings defense, and they were able to just run the ball pretty much whenever they wanted. Um, so it ended up not mattering. But early on, it was it was uh, it was a pretty good effort from the Vikings defense at first before wearing down. I was so impressed with Devonta Smith. He's really shown what he is like this amazing route runner. He only had three or four catches. Nothing super impressive. But the the play where he mossed the DB deep downfield, Jalen Hurts really underthrew him. He made a play that was essentially a game-saving play, right? Like, this was a one-touchdown game. If it wasn't for Justin Jefferson fumbling through the end zone, it, it might have actually been a, a different ball game. And um, we talked about those turnovers. Alexander Madison uh, turning the ball over, Justin Jefferson turning the ball over. Like, I, I was very impressed with Cousins and Addison and Jefferson, what they were able to do but the turnovers just absolutely killed them. And Madison's grade really reflected it. So if you started Madison, you know, running back position, not that important, yada, 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 still hurts having like a 40-something grade sitting on your starting starting lineup. Yeah, you definitely wouldn't have gotten that from us when it comes to starting Madison. So yeah, that's, I, there, there's, I understand low value, you know, running back, you kind of put it on the back burner, but to completely neglect it to where your primary guy is Alexander Madison and... And what else? That's that's a bit much. It's 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 kind of malpractice to be honest, because Kirk Cousins deserves a lot better than what he got. I mean, 
the offensive line is banged up. They're hurt. It is what it is. Darisaw went out. Uh, was it uh, Brian O'Neill who also got hurt uh, later on in that game too? Uh, we already know the interior of their O-line. They were missing the starting center. So the, everything in front of him is just super, it's just decimated. And he put on a show. I was really impressed with Kirk Cousins. That might have been one of the best games of his career. And the environment was not very good for him to actually put up a performance like that. And he still balled out. So uh, shame that such a great performance went went to waste. Such a good performance with Jalen Carter, Josh Sweat, Fletcher Cox, and Jordan Davis constantly, constantly being in his face. Uh, he put up a great game. And you already hear the the Jets rumors kind of swirling that, you know, if there's anybody that the Jets are going to go after, you know, that's the guy. Didn't you, was it you a couple weeks ago or maybe a few weeks ago now you said, Hey, maybe the Vikings should go all in. What do they do here? And well, it seems to be trending the opposite. Well, we went, it was like, it wasn't that I thought they should go all in. It was, they should have gone all in. And instead they traded away guys like Zadarius mm-hmm. Smith. Like they gave up on, some of their older star players. But if you're a team now, you know, getting Aaron Rodgers out of your division and you have an opportunity, right? The Lions are still kind of unproven. Why, why are you selling when you have yeah. a veteran quarterback? And, and Cousins, you know, like you could sit here, people sit here all day and just bash Kirk Cousins that he's not a Super Bowl winning caliber player. But the, the Vikings aren't really giving him that opportunity. And I think if we put Cousins on this Jets team, I don't think it diminishes much lower than what they expected to achieve with Rodgers there. Yeah, it could be. I mean, he's come, he would come in midseason, and who knows what that adjustment's like and and how that would all play out and how long it would take him to actually get back up to speed. Because I do think a lot of his performances now are a result of being comfortable in that offense, despite the fact that the offense around him is not as good as it has been, right? The skilled players, yes, on the outside, but at running back and especially on that offensive line, it's just been super banged up. He's still playing well, I think, in part because he's just out there and it's just everything is so quick and easy for him uh, from a schematic and system standpoint where he might not have that same benefit in New York. But on the flip side, kind of like you said, the personnel in New York right now is in a much stronger place than it is in Minnesota. They have a great defense over there with the Jets. They have, you know, Garrett Wilson. So yeah, you don't have Justin Jefferson, but you have someone like Garrett Wilson. You have a great rushing attack too. And if that offensive line is healthy, that's a pretty decent offensive line. We'll say that. And then we'll see how guys like Becton and Vera Tucker really develop. But at the very least, it's a decent offensive line. I don't know the likelihood of this of that actually happening. I mean, when has that actually happened like ever in the NFL? A a top, let's call it top 14, just to be very conservative, starting quarterback being traded in season uh to to a team after an injury to their starter. Maybe it's happened, but it definitely hasn't been recent if if in the last couple of decades. No, yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think on top of that, like I don't know if the I don't I have no faith in Nathaniel Hackett, like absolutely zero. Uh, and with the offensive line being as rough as it is, I don't think Cousins's like situation on offense would be much better, right? Like it doesn't get better than Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison is looking pretty good. Brian O'Neill's a really good player. Christian Darisau is a really good player. Like I honestly think that offense might be better, but it's the complete situation that would give him an opportunity to win, right? I don't really have much faith in Nathaniel Hackett at all. So, um, you know, I think Cousins is a good player, but yeah, we'll see. Um, 
But okay, let's let's leave the Cousins uh, rumors aside. We'll move on. And we promised a few extra starters for this weekend, guys that we would start. And uh, Ray, why don't you why don't you kick that off? Sure. So uh, surprise, surprise. I'm actually going to stay with some of the Jets talk we were talking about and go with someone on the other side of the ball for their opponent. Uh, I like Demarcus Lawrence this week. And so, yeah, he's over 30 years old now. Uh, maybe doesn't have that same oomph and star power that he's had earlier in his career. But we know he's a well-rounded veteran with a good profile, right? His last six years of just run defense grading, right? We have 80.6, 81.9, 83.2, 79.7, 93.2. Uh, and then he was 68.2 last year. We saw that dip. Through week one, he was 71.8, right? But you see here a very consistently very good run defender. And I think, uh, you know, going into this Dallas team and defense in particular, they invested, we've talked about this, how they invested in the interior of that defensive line. They have Jonathan Hankins back uh, for a full off season and then drafted Mozzie Smith, two guys that really profile strongly against the run, which was their weakness last year, right? Which could have contributed to some of that dip that we saw in DeMarcus Lawrence's game in 2022. And, um, we mentioned in the previous daily episode how Drake Jackson, one of the reasons we were both high on him in week two is because he's opposite Nick Bosa and how that helps his game. And I think the same applies for whoever is opposite Micah Parsons. And we saw that in week one with Dorrance Armstrong being the opposite edge rusher who had like a 90 plus grade for the Cowboys in week one, had a ton of pressures and a couple sacks against the Giants. But this week, the Jets are probably more likely to run the ball for a majority of the game. Unlike the Giants, because I think that the Jets defense at least keeps the game close enough so that the Jets are still somewhat in striking distance. So they don't put too much on Zach Wilson's plate. And so if the Jets are running the ball, I think that plays more into DeMarcus Lawrence's hand to be the, uh, the beneficiary, if you will, of the edge rusher opposite Uh, Micah Parsons on the other side of that defense. Um, I think that plays into his hands and his strengths more this week. So I, it could be any edge rusher across from Micah Parsons, but I think the way the game script is likely to set up and play out in week two, I think DeMarcus Lawrence is going to be a big beneficiary of that in week two. It's a great pick. I mean, anybody on the Cowboys defense this week is likely a good start. Uh, Zach Wilson didn't look good last week. Uh, The offensive line looked really bad for the Jets. And this is this is a defense that just made a Giants offense with you know Andrew Thomas and other you know half decent offensive linemen look horrible. So what they what I expect them to do to the Jets? Lewinsky had a one grade. Sorry, I just have to throw that out there. His pass blocking grade was like one. I've never seen that before. Yeah, one. Yeah, so I expect I expect bad things to happen. So I think yeah, you're spot on with that one. I'm going to go in a very similar direction. And um, uh, with the Giants, actually. So Dexter Lawrence, you have Leonard Williams. Those guys are must starts this week. But I'm going to go with a guy in a situation. So you might be in a situation where you desperately need somebody to fill in as your, you know, your D lineman three, a guy that you could just plug in there uh, that can get a high grade. And I think in most weeks, that's hard to do, right? Like it's hard to find that guy that you trust to get you enough snaps, get you a high enough grade. But the Giants are playing the Cardinals this week. And the Cardinals, 
we all expected were pretty bad, right? They were pretty bad. They were actually better than we expected them to be. Uh, but their center, uh, Yelda Frohold, had a six, uh, 46.9 PFF grade, uh, the center there. So I expect some of these defensive interiors on the Giants to absolutely feast. And they have a guy named Jordan Riley, who's essentially their third rotation in that defensive interior group, who only had 17 snaps last week, but he did a lot with them. And he had 74.2 PFF grade. He had a stop. He had a few extra uh, pressures. Like he looked looked pretty good, right? I expect them to give him more opportunity. Leonard Williams isn't a young guy. I think that rotation is going to become, if they could get a third guy, I think they're going to use that rotation more. And I also expect like, Yes, the Giants looked pitiful last week against what, like I kind of talked about, what I think is a Super Bowl caliber defense in in Dallas. But when they go against the Cardinals, I think they're going to look like the Cowboys did last week against them. Like it's going to be a different situation. And I think they could look really good. Uh, What I mean by that is I think they could get in a place where Jordan Riley ends up getting like 30 snaps because it's not that competitive of a football game. So if that does happen, this is a guy I would feel really confident just plugging into that defensive interior three spot, letting him ride, right? You only need 15 snaps there. And if you could get a 75, 76 grade from, from some guy you could pick off the free agency, like that's a pretty good week. Um, so something maybe to think about doing. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people doubting the giants and not that the, there's not reason to doubt the giants overall. Right. But I think the one thing to keep in mind is this is not the kind of situation where like the head coach is kind of a dead man walking or is on the hot seat heading into the the start of the season. And then they have a performance like they did against the Cowboys week one. And you can kind of see the team as a whole really start to erode and kind of just tune them out and quit essentially on the coach. This is not that. And I think, uh, you know, Dable and that staff there, I think they have them ready to go and the Cardinals are the team to get right against. So I I could see it playing out that way too. I think we have to kind of tap the brakes a bit on, on, on just, you know, we've, we've reversed the bus over the giants enough already over the past week. Exactly. And how many of the Cowboys touchdowns were defensive or special teams? Yeah, right. Three right, exactly, three of there them, was, right? Was, so, like, yeah, the field goal block, uh, the pick six. It might have been another another pick six. I, I don't know. It was it was. It just seemed like every time you kind of turned around, it was another defensive or special teams touchdown. Yeah, right. So, so you're talking about their defense giving up maybe maybe twenty points, right? So, you know, that's that's a that's an okay game against what is a really good offense too in Dallas. So, I'm I'm still very high on uh, New York's defense. So. A couple guys there I would definitely invest in, but who do you got with your next pick, Ray? Yeah, so I'm kind of going into the depths of of mediocrity. That sounds mean here. I'm going to go with John Kaminsky, the edge rusher for the Lions. He's probably someone that's likely not on many rosters, or if he is, he's very much so on the back end of, of your rotation at edge. But the Seahawks offensive line is just in completely dire straits without Charles Cross or Abraham Lucas, most likely uh, this week. They did just sign Jason Peters, who is 41 years old. Uh, you know, again, signed on Tuesday, I think it was. So signed on Tuesday, four days, five days later, he, he does he have to actually block an NFL edge rusher and like respect to Jason Peters because that's pretty much what he did last year in a sense. But, um, I think this is just one of those things where the matchup is so good that if you're a functional edge rusher, 
you should have your best day against this Seahawks line. And if he doesn't hear, then at this point, you might as well drop him. Obviously, someone like Aiden Hutchinson is going to have a fantastic game, more than likely, given this matchup. But we're not here to tell you to start guys like Aiden Hutchinson. You already know that, right? We're digging a little bit deeper here. And John Kaminsky, respectable, solid, um, you know, if not unassuming player. But if there's a day for him to have his best day, it's this coming weekend. That's a good pick. And uh, I was uh, mourning our boy, uh, Abraham Lucas, right? Headed to IR. It's a really bad blow. And then Charles Cross, too, is is dealing with injuries. So both of their young offensive tackles are out. Uh, the Lions defense should should have a really good day. Yeah. Uh, so I like that pick. I'm, I'm actually going to stick with the Giants. And I'm going to go with another player. Ooh, Unfortunately, wow. you're not going to be able to get this one off of free agency. Uh, but it's Deontay Banks who last week had a 67 grade, which isn't great by any means. But again, he was playing the Cowboys and they had their backs against the wall the whole game. But this week he's playing the Cardinals and he's probably going to match up with Michael Wilson or Rondell Moore. So uh, the competition is significantly you know, worse than what he faced last week. And also, like I, I kind of like him against Michael Wilson, right? I like him against a bigger bodied receiver because Banks plays a really physical game of corner. Like he plays kind of old school corner. I remember when we first talked about him and you asked me what I thought of him. I was like, he reminds me of like a Hall of Famer from 1994. Like some guys that we would watch back in the day and like they would be super physical. They'd lay some sticks every once in a while but they weren't necessarily like the best at corner. Like they're not sauce Gardner, right? That's not how they play football, but, but they're good football players. And I think banks is kind of that. So I like him against a big body guy like Michael Wilson. I think we're going to see some, uh, some old school football there. Um, but I like the matchup also because Michael Wilson and Rondell Moore both graded out in the fifties last week. Right. So they're not really doing anything. Joshua Dobbs doesn't scare anybody, right? He might make some mistakes and could, leave some balls hanging there for Deontay Banks to go and intercept. Uh, So I like that matchup. I like a couple of the other, again, the Giants defense this week. There's a lot of good players that I would start, but Banks is a guy that you might've been a little, you know, you might be a little scared to start guys like that after last week's performance. I wouldn't be, I'd go ahead and start Banks. That's interesting. I mean, I don't hate the pick, but I I do like Michael Wilson long-term, you know, young receiver, talented, um, think has a bit of an injury history which might have caused him to kind of drop a bit in the draft process but solid player talented has some upside but yeah i mean you're not going to realize that upside week two with josh Dobbs as your quarterback so um totally get it and i think that's kind of the theme here that i'm sensing is kind of like a it's a get right game for a lot of the guys that we like and i'm going to keep that going with dion dawkins the tackle from the bills i think it's a get right game for him too and the bills as a whole after that performance on Monday night. Um, I think the big thing here is that Dawkins likely won't be lined up against Mason Crosby too often. And so with that in mind, he should make easy work, honestly, of guys like Jerry Tillery or Tyree Wilson, who looks like he still has a long way to go coming back from the foot issue that he had earlier on. And, you know, being a rookie just starting in week two of the NFL. So I think the Raiders as a whole come back down to earth and that the Bills right the ship, especially on the offensive line up front. And so Dion Dawkins, probably a tackle two for a lot of a lot of guys. If you have a really strong room, maybe a tackle three, but he's likely uh, one of your top two tackles. And I would just I would feel pretty comfortable with him this week uh, in this matchup. I think they get right. 
Yeah, that's a good one, right? That, that was one of the hardest matchups we'll have all year against that Jets defensive front. Uh, so any anything else is essentially a better situation, save the Cowboys. But um, yeah, that's that's a great pick. I don't necessarily have another one. There was a couple guys I was thinking about, and I think I think one of them, you know, if I had to choose, I, th- I think Derek Carr could have a good game this week, right? Like I think his first game looked pretty mediocre. He's not a guy that you're probably starting in all 22 most weeks. But if you needed to start him this week, maybe you're like me and you had Aaron Rodgers and he went down and now you have four backup quarterbacks that you're choosing between. I think Derek Carr is the one I would choose this week, right? He had his first game, did okay, didn't look great, didn't look terrible, but it was his first game with a new group, his first you know live performance against uh, a, a new defense. Um, and it was a pretty tough game. But this week he's going against Carolina, who's, who's missing J.C. Horn. Um, they're going to be kind of down some players, but besides that, like, I think everybody expected the Panthers defense to look better this year, right? New coaching system. Everybody said, you know, this is an underperforming defense. They have Brian Burns, JC Horn, uh, Derek Brown. Like they have a good group of skill players, a couple good linebackers, and they didn't look better, right? They looked, if anything, the same, if not a little bit worse, I'm worried about Carolina. I'm I'm very worried about Carolina. I wasn't high on Carolina going into this year. I was I was feeling bad for Bryce Young for getting sent there, and they don't really have any draft picks to kind of help them out in the next couple of years. So um, I think it's kind of a rough situation. But getting back to the point, I think there's ample opportunity again as a get right game for the Saints to come through and have like a performance where they break away, where they like Derek Carr won last week. It was a tough game, but they won it. They stuck it out. This week they go against. The Panthers, where I think that they should show we're a lot better than the worst teams in the league, right? Maybe we're not a Super Bowl team, but we're maybe a playoff caliber team. And I think it's kind of like what we were just talking about the Giants, right? Like everybody's down on the Giants. Everybody's talking smack. They played a a team that I think is a top five team in the league. When they go and play a bottom five team in the league, they're going to look like superstars. I think the same is true for a team like the Saints. When they go and play one of these bottom teams, I think they're going to look much better. That's what I expect to see. So... If you have Derek Carr, you're out in Aaron Rodgers, just you know, give it a go. Only listen to that, please, if if you had Aaron Rodgers. But don't do what I do and try to play matchups with your quarterbacks in week one and bench Trevor Lawrence for DeMar, uh, Lamar Jackson. Just don't do that. So no. only listen to that if your starting quarterback got hurt and is injured. Otherwise, please stick to your guns at quarterback. Learn from my mistake. I, I let Chris get away with one. And I, mean, I don't know. I, I was feeling charitable, I guess. So that's a perfect transition. So if you're 0 1, like Ray, and you're you're ready to call it quits on the season, it's time to yeah, start scouting, totally. right? <laughs> <laughs> it's never too early. Never too early to talk draft. So have at it's, it. it's never too early to talk draft. So uh, if you haven't yet, I'd, I'd highly suggest you throw on some game film this weekend and watch some of the guys that are going to go out and perform because this is rumored to be one of the best draft classes in recent history. And I wanted just to talk about some of the names first. Uh, guys that we're, you know, we're hearing are just blowing the doors off of the competition. Guys like at quarterback, right? We have Caleb Williams, Drake May, J.J. McCarthy, Shadoyer Sanders, Michael Penix Jr., and Quinn Ewers all talked about as being first-round draft candidates for this upcoming draft. And Ray, I'm not the college guy. I've been watching. I've been trying to watch. And I'm enjoying it more so... It might be like an NIL thing, like these guys are getting paid, so you're knowing, you're learning more about them. They're in the spotlight more, uh, but but it is a little more exciting these days to watch college football. And you know these 
five, six, seven quarterbacks are the reason why. But since you are the college guy, I want to know, like, which of these guys do you think are real kind of first round candidates, guys that you think actually have what it takes to be superstars? Which guys do you think might just be pretenders at this point? I, I think there's three of that of that list that you named that are legit. And that's one, the obvious one is Caleb Williams. Two, probably the other obvious one is Drake May. The third name to me is Quinn Ewers. Um, and I would have said that before if we played this episode last week before they beat Alabama. Um, I think those three alone, just given their arm talent and upside, that separates them from the rest of the draft class for 2024 at quarterback. I think McCarthy is just taking him as an example. Fine NFL quarterback for sure, but I, I think a lot of his success and it's not necessarily his fault, but just the style of football that they're playing at Michigan right now, he's not asked to, to do too much in the sense of putting the team on his back or making next level throws to carry an offense. So, uh, I, I think, I think there's still some room for growth there for someone like McCarthy, but I think if I had to sort of separate them right now, I would say Caleb Williams at one Drake may at two, and then you have Quinn Ewers at three. I think those are your top guys for the class right now. And then the rest kind of sort themselves thereafter. So I think that a few people are high on Sanders and Penix. So I'm, I'm excited to watch them throughout this college football season and see where kind of the consensus ends up. When I watched Sanders so far, I saw a lot of inconsistencies with his game. I saw some accuracy issues. Uh, he, he doesn't necessarily have touch right now. He's more of just this like great athlete with a booming arm. Uh, but but I want to see the touch on him. I want to see him get that kind of under control. Uh, but yeah, Caleb Williams, Drake May, Quinn Ewers. I'm excited about those guys. Ewers, I think is is he's more in that second tier to me. Um, I, don't, I don't think he's necessarily in that guaranteed first round pick tier. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll keep an eye on it throughout the season, and I highly suggest everybody else do the same. Let's talk about some of these skilled guys as well, right? So Marvin Harrison Jr., Brock Bowers, Blake Corum, Trey Benson, Amika Igbuku. Ibuka, I think. Yeah, Mecca Ibuka. Ibuka. He's uh he's another name that looks good, and uh, I want to hear what you have to say about these guys. Yeah, Marvin Harrison Jr. is by far the, in my opinion, the top of the class. He's he moves like all the other Ohio State receivers that have come out recently, like a Garrett Wilson, like a like a Chris Olave. He's got that same just smoothness to his game while still being explosive, except he's like six four. So. He's just he's just different. He's a thoroughbred. He's top of the line for sure. Uh, I think thereafter, I'm not sure yet who's second, right? I think Ibuka might be that second guy, to be honest. Um, I know we have Wilson from Florida State as well, a big body type receiver, possible like tight end type body. Um, that's that's just kind of like that big six five type mold uh, of of a player there on the outside. Um, but I think really you have Marvin Harrison Jr. And then you're kind of letting this season sort itself out to see who kind of fills in behind him uh, to round out the rest of that receiver group. Lots of guys to choose from. At running back two, I'm actually higher. And for some reason, this is a bit of a throwback take, and I don't know why, but I'm higher on Donovan Edwards than I am Blake Corum. Uh, I think that Edwards profiles better given his size and frame uh, and, and his ability to really stick his foot in the ground and get up field and go uh, better than someone like Corum, who's got a bit of an injury history now, smaller frame, older prospect as well. 
Um, I like Donovan Edwards a lot when you're talking about the running backs. And then I would have probably Benson behind him uh, early on and then maybe Coram somewhere thereafter, uh, you know, with the, with the group of the rest of the running backs. So I know he's a popular name after last year and everything and gets a lot of the pub, but I would not have Coram above his running mate, Donovan Edwards, uh, or at the top of the class as I see it right now. What about Brock Bowers, who I, you know, I've heard a lot of people say that he's a better complete tight end than even a Kyle Pitts was, right? Because he's more complete, uh, more kind of traditional tight end size. Do you think that he's, you know, that level of athlete? Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's really good. He's, um, he's, if he was six, six with the long arms and everything, like, you know, power forward looking, like, I think he would get more respect than he does, but he is everything you want. You can line him up as, as sort of an H back and, and a flex tight end, uh, or you can line him up in line. He'll get the job done either way. And he is just an absolute menace after the catch. He's strong. He's fast. He's quick. He's explosive. He's the entire package at tight end. He is, he's by far the number one tight end in this class. And I think is shouldering a huge load for that Georgia offense this season. He's going to mask a lot of other deficiencies that they have at on that side of the ball at Georgia this season, just because of how good he is. Wow. Okay. I'm excited to see uh, some of his tape. He's the one guy of this group. I really haven't watched basically any of his film yet. I mean, Marvin Harrison is probably the best receiver prospect we've seen in a long time, like a long time, like better than Jamar chase. Um, I think he's that level of good. Um, going to the offensive line, this is one of my favorite tackle classes in probably since like the Tristan Wirfs draft, and it might be better. Um, Oli Fashano, uh, Joe Alt, Graham Barton, and JC Latham kind of top that group. Uh, Fashano was projected to be the first tackle off the board last year, Penn State guy. Uh, he went back to school because he's super young, which just tells me that like the roof is, you know, so high for him, what he can be. I, I haven't heard a lot this year about Joe Alt compared to last year. People were really high on him. I'm still very high on him. I watched his tape last year to kind of compare him to some of the draft prospects from last draft. I will say I have three of these tackles already higher than what we had Paris Johnson at this year. So we're talking about three tackles in my book that I think are already better than the top tackle in last year's draft class. Do you agree with that? Who's, who's sorry? Who's your third from that list? Is it Latham? Latham. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That that's that same here. I'm not quite sure yet if I would have all three of them above Johnson. I think for Shanu for sure. And alt I'm, I'm, I'm kind of still iffy on, I think, I think alt Latham. And if you were to throw Paris Johnson uh, into that mix, I think they're all kind of still right there. Kind of either where I want to see a bit more from the guys in this class before saying for sure, I think they're trending that way over someone mm -hmm. like Johnson. Um, but in that same sense, they get a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because even coming out after a full a full season of tape to evaluate, Johnson was still raw and just getting away with it because of his tools. And so, if I see those guys develop and have a bit more of a of a of a calming state to their play and a bit more sound technically down to down than what we saw from Johnson last year, then they can definitely end up above where I would have had Johnson graded last year, even though Johnson was the OT one in the 2023 class. But uh, it's, it's for sure a very good tackle class after a couple of years of some not so great tackle classes. I think it comes back strong this year with, with those three guys as the headliners.
Yeah, absolutely. And that was kind of it for me with Paris Johnson is there was a lot of the raw tools there. I didn't see it play in and play out. I think Joe Alt and Fishano absolutely show me that. And it's something that elevates them into that tier of like what I thought of a Tristan Wirfs and an Andrew Thomas a few years ago. Um, so again, special group of tackles, really special group of quarterbacks and uh, skill players too. I don't think the skill player group is as deep as like the last few years are it has higher end level athletes but i don't know if it has the depth of some of the last few years that we've seen which is okay i you know this is an all 22 draft man this is like give me the tackles give me the quarterbacks like it's it's good stuff um and i figured maybe next week we'll go into some of the defensive prospects to uh to get into so let's let's call it a day today everybody i hope you enjoy college football saturday watching NFL all day on Sunday. It's supposed to be nice weather out in New York, but just stay inside, watch some football. Uh, and thank you for tuning in. If you haven't yet, please give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at all22 underscore PFF and leave us a review wherever you watch or listen to your podcast. Thanks so much. I'm a ghost.